all of us will have heard the idiom, can't see the wood for the trees. It commonly means, of course, that we're so involved in something, often it's details or it's demands, that we don't pay attention to the most important parts of it. We're up to our necks in something and we don't recognize what's most important about the thing as a whole. It's quite possible to live through a frenetic, frustrating, bewildering, beautiful and wonderful December known by a million adverts that it's surely Christmas and miss the quintessential thing that God comes to earth in Jesus Christ to live among us, to be one of us, to be one with us. It's astonishing, astounding and amazing. I remember one of those great sketches by a Christian theatre company many years ago where slowly a school nativity scene is built up stage by stage as people come on at the front. It's like the school nativity play in Love Actually. There's a large cast, though not usually more than one lobster, if I remember rightly. And the stage progressively fills with shepherds with tea towels around their heads and camels with papier-mâché humps and sheep in woolly jumpers and king, kings in dressing gowns with mum's bling round their necks. And finally comes Mary and Joseph and the nativity tableau is complete. And the whole cast begin to sing away in a manger and relatives get their phones out and begin to take photos and videos. And suddenly... One teacher cries out from the wings of the school stage, we've forgotten the baby, and rushes on stage with a doll wrapped in cloths and places him as inconspicuously as she can, which isn't much with everybody watching, in the small wooden manger. Christmas is a time when in spite of everything, we can forget the baby. We can't see the wood for the trees. One of my favorite Christmas stories is about a family who, like millions of others, open presents on Christmas morning. The four children knew that sometime during the night, Santa Claus would call and leave the presents by the Christmas tree that stood in the living room. But because of mishaps in earlier years, when the parents awoke to find mayhem in the lounge because of early rising children, they'd made a rule. When the first child wakes, whatever the time, they must wake the rest of the family and no one can enter the lounge until we all enter it together. One Christmas, the youngest child, Emily, was about six years old, burst into her parents' bedroom at about 4.45. They were a bit late that year. Her face was full of excitement and she breathlessly said, Mommy, Daddy, get up, get up, come quickly. And they wiped the sleep from their eyes and they looked at each other and they just knew what had happened. Emily had broken the rule. She discovered the junior space scooter with pump action and handbrake that she'd been requesting for weeks from Santa and was just longing for. 
They were disappointed, but because it was Christmas, didn't want to make a fuss. So they roused the rest of the children, including the teenagers, who were unusually not, no, unusually not reluctant to get out of bed, and they went downstairs into the darkened front room. Emily rushed in first, past the tree without a glance, ignored the pile of presents, all completely untouched, and went to the window. Look, she said, her face excited and earnest, pointing her finger out into the sky. The star, the star of Bethlehem, I've seen the star. This Christmas time, don't miss the wood for the trees. See and meet the star of Bethlehem, Jesus Christ the Lord. And may you all, we all, have a blessed and healthy Christ Mass. Amen.